How are we doing? Welcome to the debut episode of Gaijin A Go Go. I'm your host, Will. I'm your other host, Gambate. I'm Jake. Japanese for do your best. He made that up. That's <laughs> okay. It's like Drew's old gimmick where we had to convince him that Japan was a real place. <laughs> but we are here with the exciting, heart-stopping, and gut-wrenching review of Wrestle Kingdom 17 for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, all the way up until the last two matches, anyway. I liked the last two matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll be getting to that. We'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Starting things off, kicking off the pre-show, we had the little young boys showcase with my boy Oleg. That was your dude right there. That's been my dude. I've been telling you for a while, but for all the listeners, Oleg Bulkin is the future top young boy for New Japan. He's just this big old fucking Russian lad. He's either Russian, he might be German. Oleg is certainly a Russian name. Yeah, but he is fantastic. He's got that kind of almost giant Baba-esque height to him, and he's a little bit lankier build, so it makes him look even taller. Yes. But I don't know how well he'll do once he graduates out of out of young line status, but he'll be a fucking great young line. So he didn't wrestle anywhere else, right? This was like he just went straight to their dojo, right? Um, I believe so. I don't know anything about him prior to seeing him have his little young boy spots on New Japan shows the last couple months. But I know he hasn't even been there horribly long, at least popping up on their broadcast. Yeah, kind of like how they broke tradition with my boy, too. Like, he, he didn't wear the black trunks and the black boots. They gave him a red and yellow singlet with the fucking New Japan logo on the belly. Which was... A nice little touch, because he's done the black trunks and boots before. Oh, okay. So, I think they just gave him something to spruce him up a little bit for Wrestle Kingdom, since he's in the dome, and getting mm. to have a Young Lions singles match. Yeah. His little buddy didn't get it, though. That's that's because he's a dork and he lost. Oh, well. <laughs> Oleg is the star of the show. You're going to go ahead and call that now. We want Oleg and L.I.J., Yes. <laughs> I want the visual of everyone doing the little LIJ salute in the center of the ring and big ass Oleg having to squat down to fist bump them. It's like a fucking foot taller than everyone else. <laughs> He's fucking huge. <laughs> then moving things along, we had one of my favorite traditions for Wrestle Kingdom, the Rambo. <laughs> Which is your traditional rumble match type, except instead of it going down to one final wrestler, it's the final four. And then the final four wrestlers will meet in a four-way match the next night for the KOPW trophy. Okay. Which has now been turned into a championship belt because El Fantasma destroyed the trophy when Shingo had it. And because New Japan doesn't need any more belts, right? Fuck. Of course not. The IWGP Intercontinental Championship died for this. <laughs> well, and I'm still bitter about that because I missed that belt. It looked pretty. It had a lot of value. 
a lot of great names held it, and now just poof. Ah, that was Shin's belt, and everybody knows it. That was Nakamura's belt, and that was Naito's belt, even though Naito hated it. Yeah. But had, like, four runs with it. <laughs> I did. Fucking all... Toro Yano, though. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Toro Yano, three-year <laughs> straight Rambo winner. I, uh... <laughs> he didn't do anything. Sure he did. He actually got in the ring this year. Last year he didn't even get in the ring and he won. What was it? Show or was it Yo that was in it? Show. Show just fucking hung out and ran around outside the ring the whole damn time. Show got battered for a little bit. Yeah, but when the thing was over, he was standing on the outside like I fucking won. <laughs> yeah, this year's final four was Toro Yano. Once again, the undefeated Rambo God. Show of House of Torture slash Bullet Club. Great Ocon from United Empire. And my boy, the 2022 King of Pro Wrestling trophy holder, Shingo Takagi. <laughs> Always down for Shingo. I did like the fucking spot, though, that, uh, that they did on the outside with, um, I damn it, with Ishii and Evil. <laughs> and Togo's like holding him up and like fucking Ishii's pulling on him and shit. That shit was funny. I need Dick Togo to do more goofy stuff like that with oh, the House of Torture. Because usually his signature spot is just choking you with wire cutters. Well, I mean, you can't go wrong with putting more Dick Togo into anything. I more Dick disagree. is a good thing. I disagree. <laughs> the Dick's got to go. <laughs> Ah, oh, but it's such a nice dick. He's not anymore. He's mean and angry. Mean, angry, short dick. Also, the fucking phantasmoron pisses me off. I do not like that guy. Who, who I, is this goober? And I love that you have this much disdain for... El Phantasmo from that, and I know you haven't seen a ton of his because he is normally way more obnoxious. He was irritating. He already had the strike going against him being in a bullet club. I did like his gear, but like then he gets in the ring and he's doing dumbass shit, and I'm like, did somebody throw this fucker out? <laughs> Get him yeah. out of here. Oh, you're because he didn't even really bust out the back rakes too much, did he? Oh, he did. He did several, and I was like, get this fucker out yeah. of here. Normally, he does more. Oh, well. <laughs> he's, he's a sucker for a good old back rake. Uh, the Jay Hunter special. Yes, sir. I was sir. Like, dude, come on. <laughs> he was just getting on my damn nerves. And then we also had the beautiful spot of Kenta speed walking down the ramp. <laughs> the Kenta speed walk. Oh, I like that every few months, Kenta gets, like, a new little silly gimmick. Like, in G1, it was all about how he's trying to promote his autobiography that he wrote. So he just keeps bringing the book out and keeps trying to hawk it to the crowd. I and see. Now, I would just prefer to see him wail on somebody with it. <laughs> with the book? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he tried to uh, on Evil during their G1 match. Because Evil and Dick Togo kept cheating to 
and ultimately got the win over him. And Kenta was all pissed. And to calm him down, they're like, we'll buy your book. <laughs> now, I want to see him, like, duct tape the fucking book to his knee and then do go to sleep with it. <laughs> Jesus. You call it go to library? Go to learn. <laughs> but overall pretty fun rambo i liked it a lot better than last year's if it was weird seeing how many like kind of bigger names on the card were slotted into it but overall i think that made it a lot more fun and i like that shingo kept saying i'm not gonna be in the rambo i don't care about the kotw for this year since i already won it for last year and then still comes out as the final entrance uh, he was like oh you said you're not doing it guess where you're going buddy <laughs> and then our main event of the pre-show our i guess first installment which i'm assuming this will become a new annual tradition for wrestle kingdom of the antonio Anoki <laughs> multi-man tag memorial yeah, I was gonna say, it wasn't an eight man it was six man <laughs> which was Kojima, Yuji Nagata, and who was it? Tatsumi Fujinami on that team? No, uh, it was Koji, uh, Togimakube, and uh, Yuji Nagata against uh, Suzuki, Tiger Mask, and Fujinami. Solid eight man tag for the New Japan dads. Or six man tag. Yeah. Like, it was overall, good to see Tiger Hattori again. Yes, they brought out Tiger Hattori to ref for it. Tiger Mask was wearing the OG Tiger Mask with the full mouth cover. And the cape. Fujinami was moving a little rough, but was still hitting really fucking hard. Fujinami is murder great-grandpa. If yeah. Suzuki is murder grandpa, then Fujinami is murder great-grandpa. I will say it was a little weird seeing Suzuki be more babyface-ish in this match. Yeah. Like, it was... He wasn't doing anything like typical baby mannerisms or theatrics or anything. It was just non-murdery murder grandpa. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't like like Kojima or Togi or fucking even Nagata could not have taken it from him. Yeah, it was but, just, even from a story context, there was no reason for him to kill anyone. Right. He has no, he has no beef with anyone other than just not giving a fuck about Kojima's chops. Oh, <laughs> just laughing through the repeater chops. And I was like, oh, Koji, <laughs> quit while you're ahead, buddy. <laughs> he is immune to chops. Chops to him are what head injuries are to Samoans. They don't affect him. <laughs> They're not real. And then that wraps up the pre-show and kicking off the main card is our IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Match. The Super Junior Tag League winners Leo Rush and Yo representing Chaos taking on Catch-22 of United Empires, Francesco Akira, and TJP. Uh, Fucking <laughs> Yo and Rush looking like fucking bin bags running around. They were team bin bag. <laughs> they, I wasn't a fan of the gear, and it. I miss blonde haired Yo. I did like the aesthetic the show and Yo had with 3K. Yeah. Yeah, 
But overall, they're a really fun tag team. I thought they were had a really solid run for the junior tag league. And I thought for sure they were going to pick up the belts. But in what seemed like a longer match, but was only about 10 minutes, catch 22 successfully defending the belts. Which, nice to see the lad Francesco Akira get a Tokyo Dome victory. Is it just me or did fucking TJP look like fucking the emo gimmick that goddamn... Uh, Garth that Brooks used to do. Chris Payne? Chris, no, it was Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines? Yeah. Like, th- tell me I'm wrong. I mean, he kind of did. And there right. was, it was weird seeing him without the usual, like, hair gel in his hair. And it was very shaggy. Yeah. Like, there is several spots where I almost didn't recognize him and had to be like, oh, yeah, that's TJ Perkins. Mm. Yeah, they without the the silly hair and the the poopy pants gear that he used to wrestle in, like he didn't look like the same dude. And he's one of those guys that I cannot stand him as a human being, but he's a very solid wrestler. Like he's a good hand to have in the ring, and he had mm-hmm. some neat spots. Like when he hit his little de- detonation kick, it looked fucking good. Akira I... was flipping around, but it was so. I can't take any of Francesco Akira's shit talking seriously with his little baby boy Italian accent. <laughs> yeah. I just like for that match though, for it to be your actual first match, not counting the pre-show stuff, which it, it, it felt like there was too much in, in an opening match. Like I get you set the table, but like fellas, you could have slowed down a little bit and cut out half of that stuff and still had the good match. You it, know? T- to me, it felt very reminiscent of the impact method of start things off with a multi-man X division match. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else falls short of following that. I just well, feel like that, they're, they were wasn't trying the case to go. Here. Oh, no. It got better from there, but I the, don't. Did they need color in the first match? No, that was 100% not intentional. Oh, was it? It was hard way. Oh, that was very hard way. Leo, I couldn't tell what it was that did it, but Leo Rush got busted open hard and was was leaking. Oh, was it? Yeah. I think one of the the LEDs might have caught him or something because it wasn't until after that spot on the ramp because Rush stayed outside forever after that. You're you are correct because now I do remember I list I was watching the show with the English commentary because I love Kevin Kelly and Chris Tarleton as a team and one of them was mentioning when they did the uh, ramp spot during the never open weight match that mm. that was what cut open Rush. Yeah, I think one of those LEDs got him because he had took that bump. He come up and he was fucking bleeding. I was like, it. Yeah, it was. All over forehead, eye, cheek. It looked yeah. like someone shot him in the eyeball. Well, now I feel bad for <laughs> criticizing the, that aspect of the match because it wasn't intentional. Well, no, I doubt anyone was supposed to get color in that, especially that early. Because that yeah. was like maybe the four-minute marker that they did that spot and Rush yeah. was leaking. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even like one of those, oh, it's a bad cut, but, you know, it stops bleeding by the end of the match. It was pouring the entire 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look at this, me being out of character, not hating everything, and then apologizing for disliking something. <laughs> I'm it's out of amazing, my element here. 
It's amazing what happens when you watch good wrestling. Oh, fuck. <laughs> fucking right. Can't believe fucking the the uh, the other three don't want to fucking do this. Jesus Christ. I know. We are the resident cool kids of the Fab Five, known as the Not Another Freaking Wrestling Podcast. I guess technically we're the hipsters of the group. We are. <laughs> we're over here re- reviewing this. We'll have an episode later on reviewing the Noah New Year's show. Yep. But, I know it will be old news by the time that gets released, but fuck you. This is our thing, and we're going to do it the way we want to do it. Exactly. <laughs> You're on our time. And that brings us into our second match, which was Kyrie. Is she just Kyrie now? Yes. Just Kyrie versus Tam, not Bull, Nakano. Great ass five minute banger. I was a little was, sad though that they they put a TV match on a pay per view though. It was yeah because it was a really good match, but it was just all of a sudden oh all right it's over. And yeah, it felt like they had like a minute of table setting, and then they went right into the fucking finishing sequences. Like okay, how about that Tam Nakano Spider Bridge though? Oh, the, the fucking bullet, the, the bullet time been back. That whole yes. Goodness. I, I am now a fan of Tam Nakano. That's oh, the first she time is, I've seen her. She's fantastic. She's someone that. The gear, but I like her. The tutu uh, thing was throwing me off. I didn't like it, but. Yeah, but you know that there's always got to be at least five over the top princessy Joshi gimmicks at a time. Yeah. How else just are they, like you're supposed to tell they're the baby face. Just like there is legally required to be at least seven cowboy wrestlers in the southeast that all have identical gimmicks oh, at yeah, any given time. Yeah, absolutely. And that fucking that one camera shot during the entrances was just like, Mwah! yes, Where it was Tam's back, and you could see Kyrie's entrance video, and that it was the part with the moon and the and the sea behind it, and she's standing there with her fucking spear thing. I was like, man, give this man Kevin Dunn's old job. Because <laughs> this this guy, whoever is the fucking technical director on their show, switched to camera four at the right time. That was a fucking wonderful shot. Their camera work the entire show was phenomenal. Yeah, it's... except for when they would zero in on Kenny's goofy facial work. I had... Yeah, but you have to because it looks goofy. I but I guess I see why they only gave them five minutes because the real point of the match was the Mercedes Monet debut that everybody knows about by now. Well, Banks making her presence known in Japan. I am still going to give her the benefit of the doubt until she has the match with Kyrie. She spent a good amount of time training with both my boy Marafuji and my boy Skade. So there's no way you can suck from that kind of training. I see your statement and I raise you David Flair. Did Marafuji train him though? No, but he came out of Ric Flair's ball sack. <laughs> yeah, but David was just too ahead of this time 
he'll do better now. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> can, Wrestling... can we talk about that shit fucking promo that, that fucking Sasha cut? I have heard more emotion out of fucking text-to-speech. I thought it was all right. No. It wasn't anything, like, earth-shattering, but 90% of the time, English-spoken promos in New Japan suck. Do they? I mean, other than Osprey, No, Osprey even then doesn't have good promos. Really, other than Jay White and Kenny, I don't think anyone has figured out how to cut a good promo. Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. Zacky's promos are amazing. Zack's promos are great, but they're also very, like, they're not normal wrestling promos. They're very much like Zack Sabre Jr. bits. Yeah, he's just being a cheeky Brit, and that's, that's all they brought him there to do. But all I have to say about the Mercedes debut is she looked dope. The ring gear was sick. I fucking loved the hair. She's probably going to win ring, the belt. Some of her ring gear I felt like was pandering. The the big rising sun on the front. I was like, come on. Yeah. But Is she supposed to be heel? Yes. Okay. So I was getting the impression that Kyrie was heel throughout that match. Like, because she was all stone-faced and stoic when she came out, and the other girl was all smiles, dimple face, happy, good times. Yeah, but I feel like Kyrie kind of had no choice. And granted, I'm not as familiar with how she's been doing since she returned to stardom. Yeah. But what I do know of Tam Nakano, it definitely seems more like you can't make her be the heel in this because she's too baby-faced, so Kyrie just kind of defaulted to it. Right. But, and the heel-face dynamic in Japan has never been, like, a deal-breaker either. Yeah. I feel like it could have just been... And granted, we could be completely wrong, and it's no, Kyrie's actually on a big heel run for stardom. But to me, it just seems like you're going to have the most international eyes on this match in this segment. So go ahead and give them that clear cut. I'm the mean person. I'm the good person. Yeah. But like when she did, did the march before she did the elbow, it was like, that's that's too baby face. If you're going to be the heel, cut that. Yeah, but she could never cut that. Yeah. I popped when it happened. So it's like, yay, she's doing the thing that I like. Yay. But overall, solid, solid match. And then that led us into, what, the the Zed match? No, this was Bishimon versus FTR for the IWGP oh. titles. So this was easily the most forgettable match on the card to me. Mm. So f- forgive me for forgetting about this even happening. I... Do not give two fucks about Bishimon. I thought the Bishimon were your dudes. No, it's Yoshihashi. Oh. I don't, I, it was already bitter that Bishimon pulled off a back-to-back World Tag League win because it was very obvious that they were going to lift the belts off of FTR, which, surprise, they did. Mm. But Yoshihashi is one of those guys that I just want to see him fail over and <laughs> over. 
I never want to see him win. I'm okay with him. Be, he, it's not like, oh, get off my TV. Like, I'm okay with seeing him wrestle. I just want to see him job out every match. Like, the entrance okay gear was cool. Yeah, no, he looks cool. The little Wukong aesthetic. Yeah. And Goto, I like Goto. I'm not the biggest fan of Goto. Like, I'm not one of the people that's pining for Goto to break through and get the world title. I'm perfectly okay with him never holding it. But they just don't, don't really do it for me as a tag team. And I think FTR is egregiously overrated. Are you going to you have people coming after us with pitchforks on that one? Well... They can eat my ass because I guarantee you none of the people that are going to come after me were there live for Briscoe's versus FTR part one. Mm. And yeah, it was a cool match, but it. I just think that they're very overgassed as, oh, they're the best tag team in the world. Not I think they might be the best tag team U.S. side of things, but I don't think they really know how to work with foreigners very well. Because they've, they're so far the only tag team I've seen pull multiple bad matches out of the Lucha Brothers. They pulled two bad matches out of Dragon Lee and Drillistico. Mm. And I thought this Bushimon match was extremely forgettable. Other than the neat little moment of me thinking, Wait a second, doesn't Dax Harwood have a broken ass bone or something? And yeah. then he started busting out pile drivers. Yeah. And then I looked it up after the match. No, he does, in fact. I, I do remember, like, I, I took a bathroom break during this match. Because Katie was watching it, too. And all, she was like, you want me to stop it? I was like, no, 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 just go. Um, this was the first time the crowd really seemed to come alive, though, during, during the show. Because I remember there was some sequence that happened. The crowd started getting into it. So that's something? Yeah. Which I will say, the Japanese crowd loves Bishimon. Like, they very much love Goto, and they like Yoshihashi a good bit. Well, he's the go-to guy. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Hiroki go-to guy. But it was, it was a tag match. It happened. Titles changed hands. A tag match where... What about the rules? Yeah, there's a lot of double teams. The rules, Steven. Like, fucking... There were... The ref just at one point was just like, fuck it, they're just gonna do what they want to do. I don't give a shit. Like... Jesus Christ. Like, I understand that, like, tag team matches are, like... For finishes, you you gotta have shenanigans, but like that whole like last ten minutes is like, where's the referee? Where has he gone? Is he? Well, there was like smoke. Three different points where Goto and Yoshihashi just immediately were like, "Let's go for our finisher." That's I don't know, man. Like in in, in some uh, place like New Japan's always been lax on the rules because I mean, fucking you had goddamn Muda fucking hitting people with chairs all the time and you know in his career and fucking that time that dynamite tried to fucking broken beer bottle stab fucking tiger mask like 
that didn't get a DQ. <laughs> well, I mean, even later on with the Omega Osprey match with the table, no one got oh. DQ'd. But we'll get into that a little bit later because we have my boys fighting for a TV title. <laughs> the son of strong style Ren Narita versus Zack Sabre Jr. to crown the inaugural New Japan World Television Champion. They've been running a little tournament for this over the last couple months, and it's very much positioned to be more of a lower card belt, at least based on the lineup for the tournament. And I still think it's a like I get why because it's a TV title for their streaming service, but I do still think it's a little weird of this is the only belt they have that doesn't have either like the Never or the IWGP moniker. Yeah. But I like it. I like how the belt looks. I'm, the brown strap is nice. I know you don't like it and say it looks like a license plate. It does! <laughs> so? It looks like a license plate. You bought it at the novelty shop. You put a brown leather belt on it. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need for a shitty mid-card belt. <laughs> uh, but the highlight... Well, it was not the highlight of the match, but goddamn, they had me hooked as soon as Zacky Boy come walking out the fucking curtain. <laughs> Yes, Nessus, dickhead! <laughs> screaming his head off at the prime minister to pay nurses living wages. Dianessus going into the wage. going into the match, I really wanted Narita to win because I wanted this to be like a little christening moment for him now that he's fully transitioned out of young boy into now I'm just a part of the roster. Mm. But as soon as he started screaming that, I was like, fuck. I need Saber to win. <laughs> and That's man, true. they're just battery. Rita just turned into baby Shibby, and I love it. I'm here for it. Oh, he is everything about him is baby Shibata. He fights like Shibata. He does mm-hmm. little sit down like Shibata. Mm-hmm. He All he like needs him. is a towel. Yeah. The the fucking kid, speaking of the sitting down, like when they were doing the uh I can kick you harder than then you can kick me spot where like they just kept sitting down in the ring and just kicking the bejesus out of each other. I was like, I'm into this. Let's go. This is fun. Give them fucking 15 more minutes of this. <laughs> this was honestly my favorite match of the whole show, which really? I feel like is a spicy take just because everyone's loving the Omega Osprey, which I did too, but I don't know. This was the one I was most looking forward to going into the show. Yeah. And they blew my already high expectations for it out of the water. Mm. And very spots in that one big boot spot. And I was just like, I am here for this. Let's go, felon. They're kicking the dog shit out of each other. Because Narita, you're already going to expect good kicks out of. It's especially considering he's supposed to be Shibata's little baby adopted boy. I mean, he's literally called the son of strong style. Mm. But Zach, who's already had pretty good kicks through the years, has been leveling up with them. Oh, for sure. I gotta say, that's probably the stiffest match in the whole fucking card. Oh, easily. I'm okay if the TV belt becomes the new stiff boy division. Mm. 
And that, even some of the, the big bruiser fellas on the card, like, weren't even fucking laying their licks in like them two were. I'm like, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that finish. Oh, the finish. <laughs> Immediate Every- tap on a cross arm breaker. There's justice in the world again. Every wrestler needs to take notes from that. Stop doing drawn out. Oh, no, I'm in the submission hold for a minute and a half. Will I tap out or can I struggle through it? That's not how submission holds work. Well, not submission holds like a cross arm breaker or, or like an arm bar of that nature. Because you see those in an MMA fight, and I'm not an MMA aficionado by any means. Don't get me wrong. But that arm breaker is called such because it will break your fucking arm. You ever see the highlights of an MMA fight? Somebody gets that arm breaker on. It's fucking as soon as the guy wrenches back, there's a, it's a tap straight away. Because, because your arm's going to break. Because you're literally putting the person in a position of, if you don't tap out, I'm going to break your arm. Yeah. Which, like, a, a submission like a, like a sharpshooter. Nothing's going to get broken in that. You know, or like a Boston Crab, or fuck, even the crossface, really. Yeah. But the arm breaker, absolutely. Like, that one needs to be an instant tap, no matter fucking what. Because you've seen it in MMA, and you've seen it work that way. Why would, why would it be different in any logic in any universe ever? But solid, solid match. If there's only one match you watch from this whole show, it should be this one. I agree with most of that. Either this one or the junior heavyweight four-way. There it is. Omega Osprey was cool and all, but it's very obviously a part one. Mm -mm. Oh, and I was waiting for this one. Up next, we had Tama Tonga, who looked like he was shopping at uh, Seth Rollins' yard sale, versus Will's boy, Carl Anderson. (laughs) I hate Carl so much. I really hate Carl. I hate the Good Brothers so, <laughs> so much. I think they are, they've got to be the most overrated, overhyped, and overpushed tag team <laughs> in the last 15 years of wrestling. It's insane. Like, they are. They would have been solid back when we were all kids watching the Attitude Era. Like, oh, they would have fit in great with DX because it's like they're only very heavy quotations on this, but their only charisma is just dick jokes. I mean, and if you heard our podcast, (laughs) yeah, but at least we have other things to. Substance it. I'm not the one making dick jokes other yeah. than that dick's got to go. <laughs> Starting off strong. <laughs> but it, they're just, and they're not even anything like amazing in the ring. And Carl Anderson's whole gimmick is coasting off the fact that he made finals for G1 Co- Climax in 2012. Brother, that was a decade ago. Let it go. His entrance thing with the like waiting for the cue for the machine gun thing was kind of cool. That's the only thing I like about him. The little machine gun bit looks great. Yeah. 
And but, fucking that match was so slow. It was dreadful. I turtles will, fuck faster than that. I will say I kind of liked Anderson trying to go immediate shithead and just batter Tomatonga on the ramp and keep dragging him up further and further. Like, I thought that was a neat little way to start it off and build heat on him. But then the second Tomatonga got back in the ring, it was just like, all right, welcome to Monday Night Raw. Mm. Clearly, we weren't watching the matches before ours. Yeah. <laughs> because there was a ramp spot, which is a recurring theme in a few matches on the fucking card. This, th- this match felt like a Fed match. Well, and honestly, I thought after the the junior tag match after rush got blasted open on the ramp. I figured they probably would have been in the back. Like, all right, no one else can use the ramp. Like clearly these LEDs are a little bit dangerous. We don't want y'all to get cut up. Yeah. And like three more fucking matches do it. (laughs) Yep. Um, their run spot was silly. Yes. The little run spot was like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And it was like, Payoff. Yeah, the finish, was, I like the finish. The finish was the only part of it. Yeah, that was all right with them both just trying to jockey really hard for the cutter. Yeah, and I'm glad to see Tomatonga get the belt back, not just because Carl doesn't have it, but I've I've liked Tomatonga for a minute now, and I've been curious to see how he'll do as a full just singles guy with a belt on him. I thought he had a really good run in the G1 Climax last year. Yeah. And it definitely gave some, like, glimpses that he could probably do solid in this role. Not Definitely not, like, a world champion level, but a very solid secondary title holder <coughs> for, like, <laughs> quick little three-month run or so. So It's always nice to see somebody get away from Bullet Club and... Stay over on their own merit. Yeah, because the crowd was very behind him. Mm-hmm. But that that's all I have to say about that. It was... it The match happens much to my chagrin. <laughs> we spent more time on it than you were fucking wanting to anyway. Yep. <laughs> and then that moves us on to... Pretty much the only non-title match of the main card. Well, when you got 40 fucking title belts, it's yeah, kind of hard. hard. And even then, they still left a belt off the show. Yeah, the Never Six Mans weren't on it, were they? No, they weren't, which I thought for sure would mean, oh, they'll defend them at New Year's Dash or something and have a big match there. And they didn't even do that. They just set up an angle for them. All right. But we had... Keji Muto's final New Japan match in a six-man tag teaming with Hiroshi Tanahashi and the future ace of the company, the way commentary was putting him over, Shota Umino, John Moxley's adopted son. No, you watch your mouth. That's Tanahashi's adopted son. Did you not see the way he looked when he walked out to the ring? Yeah, he had his dad's jacket. Yeah, but he also had Tanahashi's hair and Tanahashi's gear and Tanahashi. <laughs> no, <laughs> he was excited to be that's there. Moxley's son. Well, <laughs> he's Tanahashi's biological son. <laughs> Probably. I think he's actually uh, Red Shoes' son. Really? 
Yeah, like actually. Hmm. All right. He's. It's either I'm ninety nine percent sure it's him. It's either him or one of the other dudes that was part of that same young line class. But I'm ninety nine percent sure it is Umino. That's Red Shoes' son. Oh, okay. But it the team of the past ace, the present ace, and the future ace taking on Lij's Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and Bushi. It was a fun match. It was definitely some back-to-back cool-down matches mm-hmm. before we get into the crazy shit of the show. And it did everything it needed to. Had a fun little spot starting off so you can have Sonata and Mudo pissing at each other. Mudo oh, trying to go... the cheek Sonata hitting the fucking backbreaker and then trying to go for the moonsault. That cheeky little shit. <laughs> Even more cheek of Mudo trying to go for the fucking moonsault. And Tanahashi <laughs> having to stop him and be like, get the fuck down. <laughs> I really thought Mudo was actually just like, ah, fuck you, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> I honestly thought so too, because I was like, well, it's his last match in the company. Watch him go for it. And then <laughs> Tanahashi's like, no, 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 please. You will explode. You still have yeah, a- I will get in trouble if you do this. Like, you, you still have a bunch more matches. For your tour. And Tanahashi's like corpsing over there laughing about it. <laughs> that was the spot of the night for me. Like, <laughs> just cranky ass Muda trying to do the moonsault anyway, even though they're like, no, 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 no. And then just looking so bitter climbing down. <laughs> and then got cut off immediately. But it was definitely interesting seeing how much they were planting seeds for some kind of storyline between Umino and Naito going forward. Yeah. With that, and then surprisingly Shota Umino getting the win by pinning Bushi, which I did not expect at all. I very much thought it was going to be Sonata pinning Mudo. Mm. I don't know if anybody on LIJ was going to LIJ was going to eat that pin, it was going to be Bushi. Oh, 100%, but I just I assumed that it was going to be Mudo on his shoulders going out. Mm. But I don't know. The company seems really big on Shota Umino. Because mm. commentary is putting him over really hard. Chris Tarleton was saying that he thinks he'll be in the main event for next year's Wrestle Kingdom. Which is just like, well, damn. So at the very least, huh. I think the kid's going to have a really good G1 run this year. Hmm. I don't know if they'll give him the main event just yet, but I definitely think this year he's about to get a monster push. So he would be in the heavies, wouldn't he? Because he didn't look... Okay, he doesn't look that big. No, because he's already... uh, He was the last challenger for Osprey defending the IWGP US belt. Okay. At the Stardom crossover show where <laughs> Kyrie won her belt. I did like that little, like, the triple submission spot that they did. Yeah. That was homeboy neat. fucking does an STF just because Chono was out there on uh, Japanese commentary. Love that. Love how Chono's had to be too cool to take off his fucking sunglasses, too, while he's sitting there. <laughs> oh, Chono never does. And especially for Mudo's match, he has to look the coolest. Oh, of course. This dude, he's got to look cool. 
but overall fun little match to kind of cool things down before we got into what in my opinion was the craziest match of the night match of the fucking night right here it's the more i think about it the more i go back and forth on whether or not i enjoyed this or the tv title match more but we had taiji ishimori defending the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship in a four-way match against El Desperado, the most eligible bachelor in New Japan that every faction wants, the way commentary was talking about him, just being like, he's the hottest free agent. What faction wouldn't want Desperado? He's so great. So I'm all for most eligible bachelor, Desperado. But... Good old Despy and Master Watto, my new boy, and the junior heavyweight ace of New Japan, LIJ's Hiromu Takahashi. <laughs> Coming out looking like a fucking earthbound boss in that weird jacket with the eyeballs everywhere. Biblically, Biblically accurate Hiromu. <laughs> what Biblically- the fuck is that jacket? It's biblically accurate Hiromu. It's it's everything. Because <laughs> I was put I was putting him over to to Katie when we were watching it, and I was like, this guy was the one that, where I kind of got the idea for my ring jacket. You know, like those kind of jackets are always popular in the punk community. So, and I saw him doing it, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, all right, you can do that with wrestling. I'll fucking I'll do one too. And, and then here comes the motherfucker with the eyeballs all over him and shit. Looking <laughs> like brother. a fucking peacock from another dimension it looked like a fucking hentai monster it was great (laughs) such a such a fun balls to the walls all gas no breaks kind of match it almost felt like they were like fellers in the uh the the junior tag title match this side do a spot match yeah watch us and take notes and it also like Everyone loves to talk about how, oh, Okada and Jay White must have been so bitter about having to follow Omega Osprey. I feel like all of those juniors very much had a chip on their shoulder being like, oh, everyone thinks these two are going to be the ones. Mm-hmm. Fuck y'all. Yep. Because they went kind of way harder. Yeah. And my boy Master Watto was robbed. I like this boy Watto. I like him. I was calling him Little Blue the whole time because of his fucking sweet ass blue gear. I'm sad <laughs> Katie agrees that he was robbed. I'm sad he doesn't have the matching blue hair anymore, though. Oh, see, that would have been amazing. But I like Desperado, like trying to cut deals and shit with everyone, like yes. trying to get them to work with him, and no one would fucking do it. <laughs> That's because even when he was a baby face, which he still kind of is, but it's like he's a dick to everyone. So no one actually likes Desperado in the junior division. But that's fine. It, it was a great little story beat, though. Like He's constantly trying to get them to work with him and they wouldn't do it. <laughs> very, very good shit. Everyone just firing off on all cylinders the way Watto was clearing out everyone with his finisher mm. only to get fucking bamboozled with a weird reversal pulling him into Hiromu's finisher the time bomb and then bam quick one two three it looked good at least it looked good but that was 
such a fucking amazing last three minute stretch of Watto mm. just clearing out everyone. Oh, they had me it, three or four times, and then in those oh, closing minutes, they did. Especially once Hiromu got in and was getting some offense in, I was starting to doubt Watto. But then he hit that German suplex. Brother, <laughs> they're no longer German suplexes. They are fucking Watto suplexes. That was the best German to ever be dealt out in That's pro wrestling history. The greatest German suplex ever. The form from Watto throwing him back, 12 out of 10. The air Hiromu Takahashi got on that. The Holy amount of shit fuck. he ate on the way down, like, fuck, dude. And the fact that it was some juniors that busted that out and not like some giant hoss. Oh, yeah. Like a Jeff Cobb type. (coughs) Fucking mental shit. I did have some problems with this matches, though. Like fucking. You can do count outs in a four way in New Japan. Yeah, that was a little bit weird. Only because of, like, when you really think about it with the implications. So, like, say one person gets counted out. (coughs) Does everyone automatically win? Or (coughs) do they just get, I guess, eliminated? And then he was counting all four of them out of the ring. And I'm like, well... See, um, counting all four of them out, I guess... I can see, and it's just, well, get in the ring or I'll throw it all out. But I don't know. The countouts were definitely a little bit weird, but I feel like it was just kind of a weird vehicle to keep the pace constantly rolling. Yeah. More ramp spots. Damn it, (laughs) D'Lo. Why are we doing more ramp spots? Everyone else is fucking doing them. Stop it. Watch the matches before yours. But Fuck. this one was cooler. It was. It was definitely the coolest one, and it negated every other every other ramp spot in the fucking show. Fuck you guys! <laughs> Why stop? No. <laughs> you talk to each other about your fucking matches, and then the other one was like, there was another multi submission spot when the the match right before them did one, which I could have also done without, but. The, that's a minor, 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 minor thing. Because a multi-man match, you got to have the obligatory, you know, everyone does a submission to each other. Oh, always. But that was a very minor oversight. And, you know, I don't, I guess I don't hold the, the ramp spot against them in the four-way because theirs was better than everyone else's. Yeah, and... Like, the the Leo one inadvertently ended up adding extra layers to the match because then it was, oh, Leo's horribly hurt. How the fuck can they overcome these odds now? Yeah. Which then very much helped play into the finish and they could just as easily give them an immediate rematch and it would be perfectly fine because even from a kayfabe aspect, despite injury, Leo was still coming close to getting the win. Sure. But, I don't know, it was definitely a lot of ramp spots. I didn't mind that there was multiple, but I do think that 
a couple people should not have gotten to do ramp spots. It was more than it needed to be like two, maybe three matches having them, sure. But there's no reason <laughs> Carl needed it. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. The cosplay fight for the U.S. title. Sephiroth Olivier versus Osprezito. Or Os- How did I put it? Ospertizio. The guy Osper- from Assassin's Creed. Ezio? Yeah. It was... We'll start with the entrances, because both their entrances popped the fuck out of me. Kenny coming out, I won't lie, I was honestly really bummed that it wasn't Devil Sky. But it was a neat little Sephiroth entrance. The gear looked really good for it. And the little graphic on the screen with the one wing popping up looked good, and I thought he nailed the timing of it. Yeah. And it definitely, like, what better way to make someone feel like a final boss in wrestling than to have them come out to Sephiroth's theme, like the penultimate final boss music? Yeah, but did they do an entrance with the fucking one-wing thing before? Yeah, I mean, he's done, like, one-wing's gear before, but to my knowledge, I don't believe he's done the one-winged angel music for an entrance before. Okay. But Spoilers, I don't like, like Kenny Omega. <laughs> yeah. For all of you listening. I love me some Kenny Omega. He is one of my favorites. That's one of the few things you and I disagree on. <laughs> That's my boy. Uh, I didn't like this match. It was slow. It was boring. Kenny looks like a goof when he sells. I, it's, I, I don't know. I, Will was working his ass off. Yeah. But Will was bumping his ass off for Kenny to make Kenny look like a killer. Which, granted, I mean, Kenny was fucking killing him. I mean, sure. But there was a lot of really... I thought the opening strike-off was neat of Will trying to be like, no, fuck you, I can hit just as hard. And then Kenny, like, slowly wearing him down. That would have been fine if they wouldn't have done a strike-off again later on. Sure, he had it like he really had his fucking bumping boots, his working boots on, but it didn't seem like it was reciprocated from Kenny in any way. I don't know. I thought Kenny was doing good. It was very... I do think everyone is hamming up the, oh my god, this is the real Kenny back. Like, yeah, it was really nice to see New Japan Kenny where he's hitting a good bit harder but to me it's not even like oh he hits harder that makes the difference it's just how he paces himself like new japan has a lot more like short bursts of energy for kenny because the ring's a lot stiffer so he can run easier so it looks a lot better for the especially his v triggers but i don't know i thought kenny looked like a fucking monster in this that one point early on when Osprey booted him so hard you could see the boot print on Kenny's face oh yeah Katie popped for that because she doesn't like Kenny either and she was like ah kick him in the face (laughs) that's fucking neat and then 
that was about the extent of other than an ending sequence of Osprey get like truly being in control of the match mm-hmm. because Kenny very quickly rips off one of the corner top turnbuckle pads. Oh, spot of the match right here. Yes. They already do a good bit of playing around it, run away from it, and then circle back to the exposed turnbuckle. They're both standing up on the top rope, and Kenny nails him with a gnarly-ass DDT onto the exposed turnbuckle. Looked fucking amazing. Looked like Osprey died. That's fucking Ozzy ate some fucking shit on that. Yes. And it was gross. And I was genuinely concerned for him. Well, and then immediately afterwards, getting even more battered with that stiff ass Japanese table spot. And then Kenny propping it up on the uh, against the railings and literally just grabbing Osprey by the back of his hair and bashing his face over and over into the table until it makes a giant hole. That table that, was gimmicked. That table had to have been gimmicked. No. It looked gimmicked. Like when it's, he did the double stomp and it broke that way, Japanese tables are notorious for not breaking. Yeah. I mean, it probably was so they could do the head bashing spot because if it wasn't of gimmicks, then that last bash he hit on Kenny or on Osprey, where his head like basically fully pops through, but you can see his like the very top of his forehead grinded against the broken bits on the table. Mm. Which I'm assuming still did cut him up a good bit more because he was already leaking after that DDT. Yeah. But I thought that looked great. And I know you hated it, but then he did the little here's Kenny. (sighs) That was fun. Oh, you know why that spot worked in The Shining? Because it was a reference to Johnny Carson. Jack wasn't referring to himself. He didn't say here's Jack. He said here's Johnny. Kenny, quit putting yourself over someone else's expense. Like, it pissed me off. Because I love that fucking Who do you think Johnny Carson got the bit from? Kendall Omega. For fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) No, I hated it. It pissed me off. And then they fucking transitioned into yet another strike spot. And I was just like, damn it, D'Lo, your own match. I feel like especially by... After all that, that was not the right place for a strike spot like that. But I did love how they hit the closing sequence of Kenny is trying to go for the one winged angel off of the top rope. Can't quite get it because Osprey is still starting to get some fire back and resisting. So he pivots into a top rope Kreutz Wrath. Osprey ate. All of that shit on his neck. Manages to get a little bit of a comeback. Hits his uh, os cutter, followed by a super os cutter off the top rope. Kenny manages to kick out. Tries to set up for the Stormbreaker. And then manages to get out and wraps things up with using his boyfriend Abushi's finisher, the Kamigoye. And then transitioning that into the One-Winged Angel. To fully murder the lad. 
Jesus Christ. At one point, I looked at Katie, and I was like, for fuck's sake, at some point, like, Osprey's going to kick out of something, and, and, and Kenny's going to go in the back and just hit him with a fucking car. <laughs> and then and Osprey's going to kick out, and they're going to end this shit with a fucking roll-up, and I'm going to rage quit wrestling. I thought it was a great match. God, no. First, they were boring me to tears, and then they were just exasperating me with, you're doing way more than you need to. And it it's more to this, and I blame New Japan a lot for it. Even classic New Japan for the, the, the finisher spamming. Finisher's a finisher for fucking reason. He had, what, like six fucking V-triggers? Like, in a row? Yeah, but the V-trigger's not the finisher. That's just the signature. He's beat people with it. Probably, yeah, but those were all jokes like Hanma. I would still. Like, the the one-winged angel is, on is the one. Well, he hits like six of them and kicks out. Like, and, I don't it, I, I'm sorry, I blame them for that and, then, and that being a thing, especially on the indies. And then the long match equal good match. Because Hollywood fucking does it too. Long movie equal good movie. That's not true. <laughs> this was the only one that went fairly long because they got just shy of 40 minutes out of that match. And well, fucking Okada and Jay White went just as fucking long. They went uh, just a couple minutes less. Which honestly, they did really didn't even need that much time for it. But excited to see Kenny get another IWGP US title run. Okay. Interested to see where they go with it, especially after they've already set up his first contender at New Year's Dash. But we still have our Wrestle Kingdom main event. G1 Climax winner Kazushko Kata challenging. The Bullet Club leader, Switchblade Jay White, for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So it was, it was the reincarnated a... spirit of Antonio Inoki versus well, I ordered Seth Rollins off Wish. No. <laughs> Jay is way better than Seth. Oh. You could still put you could put sprinkles on a dog turd, it's still just a dog turd with sprinkles on it. I don't know. Jay is one of the guys that I'm I'm very surprised that you don't like him. Like, Kenny, I get why you don't like him, but I, Jay White, by all accounts, seems like a wrestler you would like. Eh. <laughs> I gotta throw like, some curveballs at people. I think he's a very complete package. He's a great promo. He's really good at being fucking obnoxious, which he was, which he was very much doing in this match. I was he, putting me off. He's really good at figuring out how to do bullshit reversals that can easily just transition into his finisher so he can do really quick out-of-nowhere endings. Yeah, see, that that was fine. Because they do a sequence like that towards the end that was fucking great. But, like, just him, I don't know, something I just I didn't like. I don't like him. I, I don't like his voice. <laughs> like, they shot a video package I didn't like. When he said that, well, I'm not even supposed to be in this spot. And I was like, yes, absolutely. You should not be in the fucking main event in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Go away. <laughs> I like him. He is a much better candidate 
than Osprey in my eyes to be top gaijin for the company and filling the Kenny Omega shoes. I would put Willie up there myself, but meh. But Okada with the power of Anoki and God on his side becoming the first ever two-time IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. The belt, I still don't like how the belt looks, but the belt does look good around Okada's waist compared to a lot of other wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Like when Shingo had it, it looked so goofy just sitting on his shoulder because it showed just how tiny the belt is. Yeah. I'm just hoping that uh, that Okada can leverage this into wearing the big belt again. Bring back V4, goddammit. No. They, they won't. Belt. He already tried that when he won... Or did yeah when he won the G one yeah instead of carrying the briefcase he pulled the he carried the V one with him. Or I thought for, I thought for sure they were gonna fix it, but I don't know. I'm just hoping that they shell out the money to get a new redesign for it sooner rather than later. Just for Okada. <laughs> yeah. Well, wasn't mean, he the one that ushered in the V four? No, I be- no, I don't think so. Was he not? I could have sworn Tanahashi already had it before Okada first plucked it from him. You might be right, but I just associate that belt more with with Okada than with Tanahashi. Oh well, yeah. Uh, I loved the the little storytelling beats though with Okada and Gato. Yes. I enjoyed that very much. And just Oka- or in, uh, fucking Gato just like shitting his britches every time some bad shit would happen to Jay on the outside was great. Gato is kind of one of the MVPs of every match that Okada and Jay White have had one-on-one because Gato being there just adds a lot more layers to the match automatically. And he's got all that history there. I mean, Okada used to be Gato's boy before he ditched him and picked mm-hmm. up Jay White and went to Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. But I, oh, like, well. I had to explain all that to Katie when we were watching it, and she goes, "Oh, that's why." I was like, "Exactly. That's that's why that's going on that way." Like you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. Like you know, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> But overall, I mean, it was a good match. Like, with those two in the ring, they haven't had a bad match before, and this mm-hmm. was plenty good. It just... Nothing really stood out about it that was like, wow, this was incredible, that they haven't already done before. Okay, I was about to say. Like, because uh, there was a couple of exchanges when they were getting into the closing segments where you're like, oh, we're getting close to the finish now, you know, with the, some of the reversals and the other shit and then reverse into that and then fucking Okada hits Jay with his finish. And, you know, other some than, of that stuff was fun. Other than Okada hitting Jay with his own finisher, the Blade Runner, that yeah. was one of the only, like, significant new, I guess, match beat development because i don't know it was i know it's good honestly i think the last time they wrestled each other was a better match than this one but okada hitting that fucking uh the enokia style enzigiri popped me yeah that was neat 
and and him wearing the all black gear and the black boots with the with the white laces i was like oh he's just he's just he's just being enoki i like this but i don't know it was definitely like it was a nice little note to end to kind of cap off new japan's 50th anniversary and honoring enoki's legacy yeah it was a very predictable outcome of okada getting the belt but also okada getting the belt in and of itself is predictable i'm not even that huge a fan of okada's work but like that dude's still the best wrestler in the world he is you don't have to agree with me but Uh, he absolutely is he's he's the most one of them but i don't know i feel like there's a dude that i feel like there's at least one other guy that's better than him and you know who he is his name is Jeff Jarrett. No, it's not. And okay. he draws all the dimes. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, he's doing the shitty TNA voiceover promo package guy, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> he's like discount in a world guy. <laughs> no, he's even in a world where Jeff Jarrett doesn't have the world championship. Everyone, because he didn't book it that way. Everyone cries. Save us, Jeff. Oh, for fuck's sake. Save uh, us, Y2 Double J. Oh, for fuck, no. <laughs> no. It is January 6th right now, actually, at the time of recording, so that's really funny. <laughs> It is. JD, give me, give me some gunshots. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> but, I really did like the, um, when, when Okada finally got up the fucking ramp, though, and they did the little Inoki sign-off, that was, yeah. That was, oh, I am skipping over, like, the little bit that you liked, though, at the end, when your feller showed up. Yes, oh, no, I was getting to that. After Okada cuts his, st- the, textbook closeout Wrestle Kingdom promo. My boy Shingo Takagi came out and said, hey, I want to fight you for that belt. I know you beat me for the belt, but we are one and one in world title matches. Let's rubber it up. Hey. (laughs) To which Okada had no problem accepting, so now Okada's already got his first challenger in Shingo Takagi. Yep. Which I'm... Very excited for that, but also even more excited because over the span of yesterday of when we're recording and backstage at New Japan, which was very much, they didn't show it and I only knew it happened because English commentary brought it up, but LIJ and Congo from Pro Wrestling Noah got into a brawl backstage to which mm. they set up a for the night two of Wrestle Kingdom, which will be a little bit later on in the month. It's basically it is the whole theme is a pro wrestling Noah versus New Japan show, mm. but the main point of it is five singles matches of Los Ingobernables de Japón versus Congo. Uh, say so he's wrestling five times. No. 
uh, one man i can dream <laughs> no we are getting uh five lij members versus five congo members so the main event will be tetsuya naito versus my boy keno and then co-main will be shingo facing katsuhiko nakajima who is another one of my boys i love nakajima and keno very dearly you're gonna be conflicted on this show i'm extremely conflicted about it because they've already set up that if nakajima beats shingo then he gets to face the winner of shingo versus okada for the iwgp world title but if shingo beats nakajima then he gets a shot at kaido kiyomiya and noah in the ghc heavyweight championship and I, it hurts me to say this, but I kind of want Shingo to lose so that Nakajima can face Okada because I'm assu- I'm assuming Shingo's going to lose against Okada, especially after New Year's Dash, where we had our four way match to determine the provisional KOPW 2023 champion. So, for those that don't know how the KOPW King of Pro Wrestling works for new japan it's a newer ish concept that they've only ran for the last couple years Mm. is it was originally a trophy and so you win it at the start of the year and you defend it throughout the year like a championship but it's always a weird stipulation match and whoever holds on to the trophy by the end of the year is the is that year's king of pro wrestling Mm. And so you're just kind of a provisional champion until the end of the year. Okay. But Shingo Takagi picking immediately back up where he left off is this year's provisional champion after pinning Toro Yano in the four-way. So now he's got a belt because the belt is, or the trophy is now a belt going into his Okada match. (coughs) But Overall, New Year's Dash was solid this year. They set up some good angles. We've got Jeff Cobb going for Kenny Omega's IWGP US belt, which that'll be a very fun match. To my knowledge, I don't believe they've ever wrestled before. If they have, I don't think they've done a singles. Mm. But that one will be solid. We got a little bit more development of the post-Suzuki-Goon fallout since they have officially disbanded as a faction. (sighs) My heart hurt. Zack Sabre Jr. joined TMDK now that Jonah has gone back to WWE and resumed his role as Bronson Reed. And so Mikey and Shane needed someone new for a a singles guy, so they got Zack Sabre Jr. since he's free. and then He's the leader, right? He, uh, if he's, he's the leader, if he has his say, then yes, because as soon as they gave him the t shirt, he just started yelling, I'm the leader. I'm the leader. I'm the leader. <laughs> but at New Year's Dash, his first order of business is to recruit young boy Kosei Fujita into the group, who made history as the first Japanese member of the faction, while also talking shit to Moxley and saying, See, Mox, I've got my own young boy too. <sighs> <laughs> we got Minoru Suzuki and Desperado, I guess, still hanging out with each other for at least the time being. They had a little fist bump and 
as they came out to help out Ren Narita, who was getting a little bit swamped there by the House of Torture to set up them three joining forces to go for the never open weight six man belts. I fully believe they're going to take them. That's a that's a very solid team lineup, but I'll be okay with if they lose only because I if Suzuki Goon's going to break up, then I need them to all go separate ways. Yes, and between Desperado and Suzuki still hanging out, and then. New Japan's hottest faction hitting the scene. Takamichi Noku coming out with those them boys, Taichi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Doki saying, well, here's the leftover pieces of Suzuki-Goon. We're all going to roll together, and we are just four guys. That's the name <laughs> of the group. Just four just, guys. Just four guys. <laughs> And I have many a mixed feeling about just four guys. Why bother dissolving Suzuki Goon just to throw all these dudes in a mini Suzuki Goon group? <laughs> right. Well, why the name just four guys? Because they're just four guys. And also, why are three of them juniors? <laughs> why not? It's time the juniors get some love. I mean, yeah, I'm all for juniors getting more love. They deserve better. Yeah. But it's it's definitely a little bit weird. I mean, the lineup of the four guys that they have, are they're all solid, and I have no doubts that they won't be a decent unit. But I have higher hopes for it just based off the name, and because Tai Chi's in it, I want them to become like a boy band gimmick. Like I want them to, I want them to essentially become Four Town from the Pix or the Disney movie Turning Red. Bonus points if they recruit a fifth member, but still call it just four guys. <sighs> Which then brings us to little spitballing we came up with for our own little group. Yes. Several spots with a Z. <laughs> Which is going to be our new Build-A-Boy faction. Several spots. They're going to be like a boy band, too. So J2, gotta have Leggy D in there with his leg drop of death. Leggy D and Craigie G. They're <laughs> the tag team of the group. Oh, for sure. With, our, with the leading man. He's got to be some kind of really blatant KZ knockoff. Just get Juice Robinson and make him do all of KZ from Dragon Gate stuff. That's it. And he we can drag be the leader. Like a Milano Collection AT and bring him in on this. Yeah, I think he's retired, retired. That's fine. He can be their um their producer. Yes. Even though Takamuchinoku does give big energy of like sleazy record producer come on kids i'll make y'all stars <laughs> <coughs> i'm down for this like we several spots needs to happen and it's several with a comma in it just in case you didn't know there's a there's a comma between uh, the v and the r several spots <laughs> But that's about it for our Wrestle Kingdom wrap-up with 
a little sprinkling of New Year's Dash angles. It was still setup. barely longer than the two main events combined. I know. Look at us go. And hopefully more entertaining. <laughs> at least the first half. But we will be back with another episode of Gaijinagogo here soon with our Pro Wrestling Noah New Year's Bye Bye Muda review. And after that, we will settle into our monthly, possibly twice a month, depending on how things are on there, as we plan to cover not just New Japan and Noah, but the best wrestling company in the world. DDT Pro, bitches. Uh, yeah, because I've got a fucking Wrestle Universe sub- subscription now, so watch a whole bunch of that in my fucking dude, Chris Brooks. All the way on that, man. Oh, just you wait. There's gonna, you're gonna discover so many boys. Oh, I already love it. Like, fucking Daisuke Sasaki and the fucking the big otter thing. and. Well, Daisuke Sasaki is your long-lost brother. He absolutely is. I love him. It's the dream now. I gotta go to go to Japan, work DDT, and tag with Daisuke. Just once. Let me book that, please. All I, right. I, need it. I need it in my life. One day, we will make it happen. Hit us Let's up. Let's get that hashtag debate. started. Send Jake to Japan. Let's get that going. There you go. Everybody, hashtag on all our social media posts. Set, hashtag send Jake to Japan. And on that note, I'm Will. I'm Jake. And we're signing off. Bye, Unara.